Welcome back to the Gritty Men Podcast. I am John Riggs, and we exist here to equip, inspire, and encourage God's gritty men to live God's way for God's glory in these days. I'm so glad that you've taken a few minutes of your day to spend a little time here with me, and I hope that it'll be well worth your time as we look together at what God's Word has to say about marriage. And our time last week, we spent learning about um, what headship is. And today we're going to learn what headship does. And so I know for all of you that are watching here, um, you're either married, single, possibly divorced, maybe remarried from divorce, um, lots of different situations with lots of different men. And so we're going to learn, though, what the Bible teaches in relation to how we as men operate within marriage. What is God's design for marriage? How can we have a marriage that endures. We don't want to be a stat out there. You don't have to be a stat. Um, in fact, God has so given us in his word the things that we need to help us understand and to navigate what Paul calls the mystery of marriage. And so today, by God's grace, man, I hope that you'll find some encouragement in this. Now, remember, we also want to encourage you guys to develop yourself discipline-wise in three areas of your life. The first area is going to be mental discipline. Then we have physical discipline. We need to exercise our bodies. We need to, to make sure that we maintain and stay in shape or actually even get in shape. Um, and then also the spiritual disciplines of our life. We, those three things are intertwined, and we as men want to have and build discipline within those three areas of our life. And really the word gritty comes from this whole idea or concept of in, in, enduring through um, adversity. And so we're told in Scripture over and over and over and over and over to endure, endure, endure. And we want to be gritty men. And I'm telling you, in these days and this time, you need to have grit in relation to God's gritty men. In other words, we want to know what the Bible teaches about how we become men that endure and why God has so designed that we would go through challenging things in our life to develop this very important thing called endurance or what we call grit. And we are speaking about endurance once again today in relation to marriage that endures. So guys, Paul calls it a mystery. It is a profound mystery. There's more going on here than just a man and woman joining together in marriage. There's something profound that Paul has taught in Scripture here in relation to what marriage is. And let's just begin there very quickly, and then we'll get into the main part of what we're going to learn today. We've learned what headship is. We're going to learn what headship does today. But before we do, let me just read this section of Scripture, which was our memory verse for last week. Not all of it, but a big portion of it was. And let's begin in verse 25 of chapter 5. And this is going to be hopefully a great encouragement for you men as you study together along with me as we see what God's Word has in store for us today about how we can have marriages that glorify God, that bless our life, that bless our wives, and that bless our children. And we want to have marriages uh, that do that by God's grace. And we can have that, by the way, if we will follow and apply these truths uh, to our life. Um, God's Word is true. All right. We know God ordained marriage. God's the one that decided that it would be good for Adam to have a helpmeet, someone that would complete him. All the way back in Genesis, we find that God lays this out. He saw that there was no suitable helper for Adam, that it wasn't good for man to be alone. So he took Adam, he puts him asleep, and then he takes from Adam something that was in Adam, and he fashions for Adam a, 
a helpmeet, a woman, as Adam called her, flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, and that this woman would complete Adam and that the two of them coming together would form one flesh again. Very significant, guys, in understanding that a man needs a woman, in essence, to complete him in one flesh. God designed for it to be this way. And so we're going to learn more about that as we move forward today. Hopefully this will be something that you can apply and will work for you, that you can use it right now in your marriage and can bring about tremendous blessing, not only for you, but for your wife and also for your children as well. So Paul says this in verse 25 of chapter uh, 5 in Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become, very significant, one flesh. And then Paul continues in verse 32. Here it goes. This mystery is profound. Paul is speaking here about marriage, but marriage is a profound mystery in that it is a picture of something much more grandeur than just our marriage between us as husband and wife. Our marriage, Paul says, this mystery is pointing to a spiritual reality of what Paul says right here. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So Paul says the marriage that we have is a picture of a spiritual reality of us being part of the body of Christ or the bride of Christ. That our marriages are a physical picture of a spiritual truth um, as we live these this out in our marriage. And the roles that we take within the marriage relationship is very significant, as we've already learned, that God is a God of order, that God has also ordained not only marriage, but God has ordained an order within marriage. Now, we understand that before God in Christ Jesus, Paul says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there's neither male nor female, and there's neither uh, slave nor free man. So there is one in Christ. We, we before Christ before God in Christ, are absolutely, in essence, totally equal before the throne of God and before the, the, the cross of Calvary. We are, we are totally equal. But in function within not only the Godhead we see this, but also within the family, as it points to the picture of Christ in the church, there is an order, and God has established the order. And we're going to see here together what the Bible teaches about this, men, and it's very significant because why? There's been such a war on true, biblical, godly masculinity. Masculinity in general. In fact, the feminist movement is, is a work of Satan himself. And 
our society and our culture has done all it can do to emasculate um, men, and that's not what God has designed. And the church hasn't done real well at it either. Just frankly, to be honest with you, um, I am a pastor, been a pastor for nearly 20 years, um, and I've seen this over and over and over again in many churches. Um, it's, it's not really geared or designed um, in a way that would call men and, and cause men to rise up to who they are to be in Christ Jesus as not only the leader of their wife and their home, but also those who would lead and minister within the body of Christ. God has ordained all of this for a reason, because he's a God of order and a God of structure. And this is how God has ordained it. So don't get this thing twisted. As a husband, you are required by God to be a steward of what he has given under your authority. Last week, we learned about what headship is. We learned that we are to be in submission to the headship of Christ in our life as men. Number one, that is our primary role. We are to be in submission to Christ. He is the head of man, man is the head of the wife, and God is the head of Christ. This is his order. This is what God has ordained. I don't care what society says. I don't even care what many of our woke churches try to tell you about this. Sir, you are called by God and you are accountable to God to be the spiritual leader, to be the provider, to be the helper, to be all of these things. You are the leader of your home and your wife is to come alongside you as the help meet and fulfill the aspect within the family that only she can fulfill as she walks in submission to your headship, as you walk in submission to Christ who is your head and who is over you. And this is how God has designed this to be and how he's designed it to work. And so we can just nix what society is trying to teach you and what even many within the woke church today and many denominations who have slipped off the ridge of truth in the word of God have, have gone to. There's no, there's no debate here. This is just, this is the mail. All we do, guys, is we read the mail and then we apply the mail. As pastors, we are to what? Share the mail. I'm just reading the mail. That's all we're going to do today. I don't have to do anything else. This is just what God's word says. And so you're going to have some truth here to hang on to and then apply this to your life so that you have a life and a family that's built upon the rock, who is Christ Jesus. And when all the things that happen in life come against your house, it's going to stand because you built it on the right foundation, which is Christ. And you have applied the truth of God's word to your life. And when you apply truth, it works and it brings about um, the effect that God intended for it too. So here we go. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I want you to understand this, Paul says, that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. He lays this out for us. It's very clear. This is his order. This is how he's designed it. Remember, God made Adam first. He gave Adam dominion. He told him to name all the animals. He had a garden that he was to work. He was to till it. He was to grow it. He was to do all of these things. And then God said, no, I'm going to fashion and make for Adam someone who will complete him called his help meet. And he didn't go from the dust of the earth and create woman. No, he took out of Adam something that was in Adam, and he now took it from Adam, and now he makes and fashions for Adam something that would complete him. And outside of the two coming together, there's not only no life that can exist, but not only that, 
the whole ordained marriage and the covenant of marriage, all of these things point to this incredible truth of Christ and the church. But the wife is needed in ways in which the husband can't provide within the family unit things like, let's just say, for example, the, the way that she nurtures, for example. Listen, men, we're not by nature nurturers. That's not our nature. God took something from man, made woman, and the elements that we find within woman, many ways men don't have some of those capabilities, nor do they come easy or natural or normal. And so we can't say that men and women are just alike because that's a bunch of baloney. We're not just alike in any way, shape, form, or fashion. We're created in the likeness and the image of God. Yes, that is true. But our, our, our makeup is entirely different. The way you, as a man, think, it's different than the way your wife processes information and how she looks at things. But you're made the way you are for a reason. You're made to, to do what God's called you to do here. The wife as the nurturer, the one who would bear children, the one that nurse her children, the one that, that comes alongside you as the man, and she's enforcing and reinforcing what you have set together as a standard. You as the leader, she all comes alongside you, and she brings this all together. And both of you are desperately needed in this relationship, and God has so balanced this out um, that it's, it's done with perfection. God, only God could do this. And so your wife is different than you are. Um, that doesn't give us any excuse for us saying, well, I just can't, you know, I can't sit around and listen to my wife as she talks about feelings and all. Listen, that's how she's made. She's, she has more of a tendency to have feeling about a lot of things. You don't base a lot of what you do off of feeling because that's how God has designed you. You're not a nurturer. You're, you're about fighting and protecting and battling and going out and getting game and, 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 and harvesting. And you're about all of this kind of stuff, the provision, the protection. You know, you're, you're all, you have that in you. Um, it's just how God has designed you to be. And it's not any more important than the role that God has given the wife. Uh, they're both compatibly perfect together, and they operate absolutely, incredibly in union when the Word of God is applied. And the family is entirely blessed when we apply these truths. And so what we know, though, that we have been given an example, guys, first, that Christ, who is the one in whom we are to submit ourselves to, as the headship of Christ is over us. He is our example, actually, of what it means to be in submission as well. Not only is he our example on how to lead under God, he also is our example on how to submit and follow God. Jesus Christ is God, by the way. I'm not wanting to confuse you here. Um, he is the second person of the Godhead, the triune Godhead, fully God, all completely, totally God in essence, but in function in the Godhead, he operates differently, as does the Holy Spirit. They have different functions within the Godhead. All completely, totally, fully God, as the Bible teaches emphatically all through Scripture, all the way from Genesis, all the way through Revelation, we find the Godhead at work. But the way they function within the Godhead is, is, is different. And so, anyway, not to get us off base or confuse us here, but that's the reality. So Christ is our example on how to lead, but he's also our example on how to submit and follow as well. Because you can't lead properly without learning to follow first. You've got to follow Christ. And when you follow Christ, you will lead well. And your wife will be blessed, and your children will also be blessed, as will your home. 
In Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8, we see this in Christ. Now remember, he's God. He's been, he has always been. He is from the foundation of the world. Always has been, always will be the eternal Son of God. That's who Christ is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are, they are, they are always been and they always will be. Here's what we learn here, though, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, about what Christ has done in order to take upon flesh in the incarnation and to come and to live and to, to lay his life down for us to what? To redeem those of us who are outside of Christ. We've been redeemed by Christ. He did all of this in submission to the will of the Father, and he did it impeccably and perfectly. We won't, we won't do it perfectly, but our goal and our desire is to please Christ and to follow him, and he is our example. Here we go. Paul writes here to the Philippian believers, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, he is God. Do not ever forget that. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He walked in perfect submission and obedience to his head, God the Father, in providing justification and redemption for humanity. He is our example on how to lead and how to follow. And guys, we're going to learn what Christ did and showed through demonstration how we are to love and operate within not only our relationship to our wives, but also in relationship to our families. <clears throat> so now let's look at what headship does. Last week, go back and watch that podcast if you want to. You can learn about what headship is. Today we're going to learn about what headship does, and Christ is our example in this. Paul begins here, husbands, speaking to us men here, love your wives. Now this is a high example, but this is Christ's example to us. You want to know how to love your wife? You say, man, I, had it. I didn't have an example on a godly man demonstrating before me as a son how I was to love my wife because my dad was a very poor example. You might be that person. You might say, I didn't have a father growing up in the home. I grew up in a single home with my mom, and she did the best she could do, and she did a good job, but I didn't learn from an example that I had in my life on how I am to relate to my wife or love my wife because I didn't have a father in the home that did that. Or maybe you just had a sorry example of what it was for a, a husband to love the wife within the home. You didn't see that demonstrated by your father. But listen, we have an example, guys. Do not ever forget this. This is the example that I go to. You don't need to go to another man. You need to go no further than the man, Jesus Christ, to learn how you need to love your wife. How do you do this, guys? How do you navigate marriage? How do you navigate parenthood? How do you navigate all of these things as men in this day and time, living in this depraved culture and time with so much deception, and so many things going on in this world? How do you do this? Well, look no further than Jesus Christ. He is your example on what you are to do. Follow his example, apply these truths to your life, and you can have an incredible, blessed marriage and a blessed family as well, just by applying these truths to your marriage. Here we go. He begins right here. Love your wife as Christ 
loved the church. Now I'm speaking to mostly, not probably all, but I'm speaking to Christian men here. You have experienced what it means to be loved by Christ. You know this kind of love because while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. He died, he came, he laid his life down. He took upon himself your sin, your shame. He paid for your penalty with his blood. He did this willingly out of love. And there was a purpose for why Jesus Christ did that. That was to redeem you, purchase you. He also what? He reconciled you to God. You've been born anew. You've been made new in Christ. You've been given a brand new life. You have been adopted into the kingdom of God from the kingdom of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of the glorious Son, as Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1. And now you are part of the kingdom of God, serving the King, Lord Jesus Christ, in this kingdom with a great purpose. And we need to pattern the way in which we love our wives, not by what we see in the world. Not at all. That is a very, very poor pattern. In fact, we're not to pattern our lives after the world at all whatsoever because it is lost and it has no concept on even how to love, let alone how to lead like Christ did. So here we go. We're to love our wives in this manner. You know what it meant to be loved by Christ We're to love them as Christ loved the church. And this is what he did to demonstrate his own love for you and I. What did he do? He gave himself up for her. That's the bride. That's the church. Jesus Christ gave his life for you. He laid his life down. He set aside his own wants, desires, whatever that was in the flesh. And yes, he's fully God and fully man. He walked in perfect obedience and submission to God the Father, living a perfect life that you and I could not live. And he laid down his perfect sacrifice to redeem fallen humanity, you and I. We became an object of his mercy. Christ was revealed to us. We believed in faith, trusted in Christ, and we were regenerated by the Spirit, reborn, and we were saved and made alive alive in Christ Jesus brought into this glorious family, and he demonstrates for us men how we're to love our wives. She is to be our primary focus, and she is to be the one on earth in this relationship, not speaking about my relationship with Jesus Christ or the Father here, in relation to how I am loving the Father and how Christ is working in my life. He's my first and foremost relationship. Now listen, I'm speaking of earthly relationships now. We are, we are seeing a very, very important relationship, and that is the marriage between the relationship between a husband and wife in Christian marriage because it's pointing now to something far greater. Your marriage is pointing to Jesus. Your marriage is pointing to the body of Christ. Your marriage is pointing to redemption and love and sacrifice and, and, and submission and all of those things. It's pointing to that. And so the manner in which we do this um, is very important in many, many, many ways. But primarily, we learn here that we are to love our wives sacrificially, a sacrificial love. Now, any, any man that's really struggling in his marriage, and, 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 and a wife, there's usually two here involved. I've counseled who knows how many couples. And listen, the, the incredible thing is you can fix your marriage very, very, very quickly and easily. You do that by applying the Word of God in reality to your life and to your situation. You can have knowledge, but knowledge without application is actually worthless. So we can give you knowledge today, but if you don't apply this knowledge, it won't bring anything in transformation in your life. 
This is truth, but if you don't apply truth, you can't expect to have the result that truth brings when it's applied to life if you don't apply it. So number one, guys, love your wife in a sacrificial way. What does that mean? That means she becomes the object of your love. What she needs, what she desires, what she, what she wants and needs from you becomes the most important thing in your life. Not secondary, not third, fourth, fifth, not after the job, after the toys, after hunting. and all. No, she is primary. And you have to sacrifice your wants, your desires before anything else in order that you would meet her need and you love her sacrificially. Listen, if you love your wife this way, she's going to respond to you in an incredible way. Guarantee you that's the truth. Make her the object of your affection as far as earthly relationships goes. Our first relationship must be correct and right before God under the headship of Christ. He is, our, he is the one in whom we love. He is our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord. But that love that we've experienced and that we understand as Christian men, having been forgiven so much, having received justification and redemption by no merit of our own, God just chose to set his affection on you and make you an object of his mercy, even though you had already merited eternal damnation in hell and separation from God, God who is rich in mercy. He lavished his love on you. He made you an object of his mercy. This is all done by God's will to love and to show his kindness, his grace, and his mercy toward you. We've learned and experienced this, and we do this in marriage because we are taking the role of Christ in our marriages in relation to what Christ has done for the bride, we are to do for our bride. And so we love our wives in a sacrificial way. And guys, I will guarantee you, if you love your wife like this, it'll transform your relationship. Guaranteed. No ifs, no ands, no buts. If you love your wife like Christ loves the church, like he loved you, you sacrifice for your wife. Love her in a sacrificial way. It'll transform your relationship. Guaranteed it will do that. You won't be having to worry about how she submits to you or is she, is, she, is she honoring you the way she should or giving you the respect that you deserve. Listen, that won't be your focus. Your focus will not be on those things. It will rather be on how do I love you? How do I make you feel loved? How do I ensure that you know that I love you? You are an object of my affection. When that is the case, your wife is created by God not only to be the helpmeet and the completer, but she also is created by God to respond to you. And your wife wants nothing more than for you to be a man who is pursuing Jesus Christ and who is walking in submission to his headship in order that you might lead her and your family in the way that they should go. And your wife wants that as bad, if not more than you even do. Guaranteed. So you love her like Christ. You submit to Jesus Christ. You love and respond to her in that way. That's how Jesus Christ loves you, and you are to represent that in your marriage, pointing to the spiritual reality of redemption and love and sacrifice and all those incredible things that we have in salvation. Your marriage is a picture of this to the world that is watching. This isn't normal, guys. It's not. 
Men are selfish. Men are all about gratification and lust. And that's the old man. That's what it wants. It's got nothing about the other person. It's all about what I get, what I want, what I need. That's how the worldly men love women. That's not how a Christian man loves his wife because that's not how a Christian man has been loved by God. We've seen this example lived out before us. We now apply this truth to our life. And it will, guys, listen to me. It'll change your marriage, guys. It'll transform your relationship with your wife. The power for you to have an incredible marriage is in your hands. It is. God's given us the tools. He's given us the truth. And he is the truth. And if we apply this to our life, it won't make everything perfect because we are fallen individuals. We're human. And we do things that don't always honor and glorify God. I get that. But if you're striving to do this, your wife will be blessed beyond measure by you. It will trickle down from her to your children, and not only your children, but to those within your influence. And it begins with your relationship with Christ, and then you respond to that in the way in which you love your wife. And in that response, it trickles down into your family. And man, it just, it just overflows into every area of your life. Number one, most importantly, guys, Christ is our example. We follow him. He says, you're commanded by him. To love your wife like Christ loved you. Love the church. That's incredible. He did it sacrificially. He did it sacrificially. The second thing we see here is a sanctifying love. The first one is a sacrificial love. Now there's a sanctifying love. Jesus demonstrated his love for us. He didn't just, he received us where we were, but he won't leave us where we are. The same thing is, when I came to know my wife, I took her right where she was. She was incredible. I couldn't wait to spend the rest of my life with her and committed before God in covenant that I would fulfill my vows to her. But what I've noticed over time is the love you have for your wife just grows deeper and deeper. It matures. It's proven itself through life and trust and trial and raising kids and living life and paying bills and and everything you experience in this life. And you find that this love you have for them becomes so incredible. And it just grows and grows and deeper and deeper as you spend the years loving your spouse, loving your wife. But God demonstrated that love in order that he could redeem us but then he does something else he takes us from where we are and then he's going to do the work of sanctifying us in other words there's a purification that happens in this walk with the lord jesus christ he takes us and receives us just as we are but then he doesn't leave us there he now by his love he now begins to what Take us through a process of purifying us to make us more like himself as he is our example. He's desiring for us to become the image of Christ. And this process is incredible, but it's done in order that we can become more and more like Christ. And this is the role that we play as husbands. We want to have a sanctifying kind of love for our wives. Now, this is incredible, men. You are are called to follow Christ in this example. Christ would never lead you into sin, ever. Ever, ever, ever. He would always protect you from it. He is always leading you into righteousness. Now, I've seen men do this. 
They lead their wives. Now, she went. Yes, she did. She responded. She followed. She had a man who wasn't living under the authority of Christ. He was doing his own thing, going his own way. And what did he do? He led his wife into deeper sin. I've seen this happen, and I've counseled couples who have done this. The man led his wife, not in purity, but he led her in unrighteousness and led her from where she was and degressed her. He didn't progress her. He degressed her in his poor leadership, and he leads her in unrighteousness. Guys, Jesus Christ would never lead you in unrighteousness. He is our righteousness, and everything he does is right and true. He's always going to lead you in purity, in righteousness, in holiness. That's how Christ leads you. We must have a sanctifying kind of love that our desire is to do the very same thing for our wife, that our wife should be better off after years of being married to us, not worse, because of the way in which we have loved her. It's a sanctifying thing. You and I are called to be the spiritual leaders of our wives and our children. That is your responsibility. And you have an example for that. Why? Because Christ is doing it for you. He's doing it in your own life right now. Currently, if you're in Christ Jesus, he is taking you through a process of sanctification. And that is what? It is making us more and more like himself. And we are to, in like manner, love our wives in such a way that we're loving her in a sanctifying way, sacrificially, but then sanctifying her. We're doing that by walking in holiness ourselves. We are to walk before God under the headship of Christ, walking in obedience to him through the word, by the spirit, and we're to walk in righteousness and holiness as an example. As the wife follows us, she grows in Christ-likeness and in holiness and in righteousness. And as she follows you and I, as our wives, she actually follows and draws closer to Christ. She's not pushed further away from Christ or led away from Christ. This is a high calling. This is a very high calling, guys. And it's very significant. Why? Because the world is in direct opposition to Christ. And our marriages are to reflect something in the world without you ever even sharing the gospel. People should look at our marriages and our marriages should be representing the gospel. Our marriages should be. Our marriages should be a picture to a world that is fallen, living in darkness, of what it means to love sacrificially. Our wives are also portraying what it means to submit as of unto the Lord. They're submitting to the husband. They're walking in, in union with their husband. And this is a picture of what it means to be in Jesus. And let me tell you something. My life didn't go downhill when I came to faith in Christ. My life has done nothing but go uphill from there. Christ has changed my life. And to tell you my story is to tell you of Jesus Christ. And our marriages should reflect this true reality. And our wives should benefit from the way in which we lead her spiritually. And that we are washing her with the word of God. We're using the truth of God's word in her life. We're not degradating her or tearing her down or, or beating her down. Or using words that just completely decimate her. No, we are using truth in the words of God to build her up as she walks this journey of life. As she goes through trials in her life. As she raises kids. As she performs her mother duties. As she responds to us as a wife. 
wife. We are to be washing her with the word of God in the process of sanctifying work of the love that we have portrayed of Christ in our life and we're displaying that in her life, that it should be making her more like Jesus Christ, drawing her closer to Jesus Christ in the way in which we love our wives. Now, we don't do this perfectly. I understand it. But we are striving to follow Christ, who is our example, on how we do this. And simply, we are responding in the manner by which Christ has what? Washing us. He's patient with us. He's long-suffering with us. He speaks truth to us. He never is harsh with us. He's he's responding to us in, in love. And he disciplines through training and all of these things. And we're to be this example in the lives of our wives and it just is something that God has given us to do as men. As, as, as little as you feel worthy of it. Listen, I know you don't feel worthy of it. And I know that you will fall short of this. But that doesn't mean we don't attempt it. And try by God's grace, through his help, by the spirit of God and the word of truth, applying it to our life. We don't just not do it. We do the very best we can by God's grace. And we offer grace to our wives and our, our wife offers grace to us. And our wives know that we're striving and we're trying to do this by God's grace as imperfect as we are as men. Your wife, she understands that. But that's not an excuse not to do it. So let me ask you this. Is Christ sanctifying you? The answer to that obviously is yes. How is he doing that? Through the word through the word of truth, through the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit do? Holy Spirit convicts and convinces us and leads us. And the Holy Spirit's always leading us to Christ, pointing us to Christ, to walk in obedience. We're to walk in step with the Spirit of God. We're setting this example for our children and for our wives. And Christ set this example for us as he walked in holiness, as he obeyed the Father. He's an example on how we are to do this. We won't do it perfectly, guys. I understand that, but by God's grace, we'll do the very best we can and strive, endeavor to persevere in this, that our wives would, would be walking in purity because we're leading them in purity. Our wives would be walking in the word because we're walking in the word, that our wives would be in tune and listening to Christ, not because Christ is not her head, because she is, she is in Christ, but because our example leads her in that way as well. So we're, 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 we're taking this role and we're doing this and we're doing it out of a heart that Christ has demonstrated for us first. So he says that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. That's what we want for our wives to be. We want our wives before us to be that thing. I don't mean thing as in a thing, but to be, to be like that. To know she's radiant, that she's loved, that she's cared for. Those are, those are elements that our wives should know. Guys, I'm telling you, a wife will always respond to this in a positive way. I mean, you cannot... Apply this to your marriage and it not transform your marriage. It's impossible. It will. So no matter where you find yourself, some of you guys watching me, you're on the brink of divorce. You've had it. You're at the end of it all. You think there's somebody better out there. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You have already been given a tremendous gift in your wife. 
Now what you need to do is apply the word of God to your life and watch God's word work in and through your life. It's truth and it will work. Why? Because it's the word of God. Guaranteed. Everything may pass away. The word of God will never pass away. It's not going to happen. It's truth. God said it. God did it. God has provided it for us. It works, guys. Love your wife in a sanctifying way, number two. Number one, a sacrificial way. Number two, a sanctifying way. Um, in Hebrews 1, 2 through 3. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he has made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His nature, upholding all things by His powerful Word. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God provided all of this for us in Christ Jesus. And we are to do these same things in the lives of our wife, in the way in which we we um, sanctifyingly love her in a sanctifying way. So the third thing I want you to see here as you think about being the spiritual leader of your wife and of your home, you're called by God to do this. If you shirk the task, there's going to be a consequence for it. Always is. There's going to be a consequence and it trickles down. And some of you did not have a man that represented this in your life. I get that. But you don't have to be that man. Start today. Be this man in the lives of your wife and your children. If you're an older man, you're still married, still be this for your wife. Your kids are grown. Doesn't matter. Still be this for your kids. Live this truth out in your life no matter what your age is. You're a single man. Doesn't matter. You walk under the authority of Christ. You walk in submission to Christ. You learn what it means to follow Christ as he leads you in holiness and sanctification. You're learning all of this so that you can apply this in the way in which you love your wife. So critical that you get this and understand it. So the third thing we're going to learn as we, as we move to the next part of this passage here is that we are to love our wives with a supplying love. A love that supplies now, you think about this. Christ demonstrated his love, which brought redemption and justification for us by faith in Christ. Now he's taken us through the process of sanctification, but he's also provided everything that we need. He's provided everything. And we are now what? To be this also as an example, pointing to a spiritual truth. We're, we're showing this in the physical reality by what we do, we are providing things for our wives and for our kids. We're, we're provisionary in our love. We're supplying these things for our wife. Listen to this. Verse 28 of chapter 5. And I know I'm getting long here, so hang with me. In verse 28 of chapter 5, Paul continues, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Now look at the illustration here. He who loves his wife loves himself. Why is that? Well, there's a reason, because you're one flesh. Now, I don't need to get into all the details of this because this will take entirely too long. But there is a coming together in the union of marriage that a covenant is cut. It is cut. God built it in, the physiology of a woman. And when a man and a woman come together in the union of marriage, there is a covenant that is cut. It is made. 
God put it in there for a reason so we'd understand this covenant. Jesus Christ, on the night before he was crucified, he's having this meal with his disciples. And then at the end of the meal, he takes this cup, the cup of what? The new covenant. And he's getting ready to go in and make a covenant with his blood that he would what seal this with his blood. And we were, we've entered into this covenant with Christ in, in the fact that we have been redeemed and we've been, we've been justified and we have been regenerated, but we've been brought into the body of Christ and we are one with Christ Jesus. And he did this through the shedding of his blood and it's the cup of the new covenant that he gave by shedding his blood. It is a covenant of blood. It was cut in blood. It was made in blood. It was sealed in blood and it will last for eternity. That's the guarantee of what salvation has been provided for us in Christ Jesus. And our marriages are also a covenant before God. And there is a covenant of blood that is actually even made. And it's demonstrated when a union takes place. I'm not going to get into the details of this. You can figure it out if you know anything about the physiology of a woman and a man coming together in sexual relations. Something happens. There is something that happens there. God does something at a very deep level. But on a physical sense, he points to something else. You are entering into a covenant. And the two of you now have become one flesh. So the reality is, guys, there's no more you when you marry. There is we. Think about this. You have joined in union, and the two have become one flesh. That's why the Bible says in Genesis, which Paul is going to quote here, that the what? The son should leave his father and his mother. He's under the headship of the father. He's leaving that headship. He's now what? He's going to become the headship leader of his own wife, be joined to his wife in the establishing of what? One flesh, which will be his home, his wife and his family. So there's one flesh being, being made here, a union. So when we, when we come together in marriage, there's a covenant that is made before God. And, and it's real. And so this covenant that we've entered into it means that now the two have become one flesh. There's no longer my wife. It's not just her desires and her wants and all of that aside from mine. No, she's also seeking what I desire and what I want. And I'm seeking what she desires and what she wants. And we both want to walk in purity. And we both want to become all that God has created for us to be in Christ Jesus. We want to live this out. We want to demonstrate this love. We want to experience and know what this is in this beautiful picture that God has made for us, this mystery in marriage that points to the reality of Christ and the bride that we are part of. And we demonstrate that through this physical relationship on earth of, of what? Of the husband and the wife. And there's, there's, there's this us now. No more me. No, that doesn't exist. The other thing is when you are, are divided and when the enemy comes and before long you're arguing and you're fighting, you've been focused on the wrong things and there's division that comes, you're beating yourself up. So when you say hurtful things, you know you'll never win in this. You can't because you're one flesh. It's like beating yourself up, man. Doesn't make any sense. You won't win. And, and we see this stronghold going on with power and all of this stuff. You won't win in this, man. You're one flesh. It's fighting yourself. It's struggling with yourself. It's all of this weird stuff. It's like Hashimoto's disease that a woman might have where her body is attacking her, 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 her own body is attacking itself. 
It's fighting itself. That's kind of what goes on in many marriages. They don't even think about the covenant, the one flesh, the union, and the demonstration of what's going on here. We are to walk in this beautiful union before God. It's we from now on. It's never me, myself, or I, ever. It's always we, always is. Jesus speaks of us as his bride, as the saints, as the redeemed. All of those things are what it means to be in Christ. We are in Christ over and over in the New Testament. You read Paul talking about what it means to be in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, through Christ, all that. It's all about us being in Christ Jesus. And that's this beautiful picture of the mystery of marriage. We're demonstrating this. It's incredible, guys. It's incredible. And so this is a supplying love. In verse 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we're members of his body. So we're one flesh. Our wife is part of us. We're part of her. We're one flesh. We're in union. And Paul's saying, listen, you provided for yourself when it was just you. It's the same way. Your wife is part of you. You provide for her. You meet her needs. You do these incredible things. And Christ has provided for us every spiritual blessing. God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. We've already been given this. He's not, he's not, he's not given this to us. It's been offered to us. Now, we may not operate in that. We may not walk in that. We may not live in that. But it's been provided for us. It's there. It's available for us. And that's what we do. We provide this for our wife. So whatever it takes, listen to this, whatever it takes for us to fulfill in our wife's life what God created her for, we should do all we can to provide all she needs to accomplish this. Now, I know there's a lot of things here that we can talk about, but we're to supply for them, to provide for them. Um, and... We provide for a lot of things, not just monetarily. We provide uh, it in many, 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 many other facets of, of, of the relationship that we have. Christ doesn't just meet our physical, financial needs. He meets all kinds of our needs. He just does that. In fact, we read in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches, to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's what God has provided for us in Christ, everything that we need. And we are doing that for our wives to the best of our ability, and it's not all speaking financially. Listen, we sacrificially love our wives. We not only that, we sanctifyingly love our wives in a sanctifying way. We also love our wives in a supplying way, and that's to meet those needs. Christ does this for you. We do this for our wives, and in doing so, we demonstrate this beautiful picture of the union of marriage of Christ and the bride, who is the church. And then Paul goes on, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So guys, I know there's a whole lot we can talk about here, but we're not going to spend much more time on that. I want you just to, just to read the Word of God. Study Ephesians chapter 5, uh, 20, 22 through 33. Study that section of Scripture. Learn what that means. Apply these truths to your wife and to your family. 
be the leader that God has called you to be. Christ is your example. He's demonstrated it for you already. He's provided all these things for you. He continues to demonstrate these things for you. And now you apply these truths to how you love your wife, how you lead your wife, how you supply for your wife, and how you lead her spiritually as well. Apply this to your life and your marriage. And guys, I guarantee you, and I'd love to hear from you guys, I guarantee you it will transform your marriage and it will transform your life and it will transform the lives of your children. I promise you it will because God's word is true and God will not be mocked, guaranteed. I hope that this has been some encouragement to you today, guys. One final thing, you know what we're doing. We're learning memory verses every single week. Um, Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 was last week. I know that's a pretty large section to memorize, but this week we're going to do 1 Peter 3, 7. Let me read this to you real quick, and then we're going to close out for the day. Here we go. Husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Peter here is basically demonstrating a true fact. Our wives, in a physical sense, are a, are, are a weaker vessel. Our wives also are, by God's command, submitting to us as if unto the Lord. And it's not easy for us to submit. We understand that, especially if you're acting like a fool. It's hard for a wife to submit. In fact, it's nearly impossible for them to do it. But as if unto the Lord, they do this in order that they may honor Christ, who ultimately is the one in whom they answer to. And we should live with them in an understanding way. Not only the physical weakness of that, but other things as well. Um, Our wives have different things that they live with that we may not live with in the same way. So we need to live with them in an understanding way, guys. And Paul even, I mean, excuse me, Peter even goes on to basically say that if you want your prayers answered, you need to be careful in the way in which you live with your wife, how you treat her, how you love her, how you honor her. And so he's making reference to the fact that when we pray, we better make sure that we're living in a way that honors God in the way in which we love our wives, in the way that we honor her, because God is the one that has ordained this. And that your prayers can even be hindered if you're not living in an understanding way with your wife, offering her the honor that she is due as a finer vessel, if you will. She's fine china. And you don't handle fine china the same way you do a Dixie cup. No, she's fine china. And I pray, guys, that you'll apply these words. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I don't have all the platforms that we're on. I know we're fairly new as a podcast. Uh, But anyway, if you could leave us a a message, if you will, or whatever you want to. I'd like to hear from you guys. Um, Thank you for watching the Gritty Men podcast. I hope that this will bless your marriage. I'd love to hear how this is working in your marriage and what God has done in your marriage through simply applying the Word of God. Uh, I just pray that you continue to do gritty things, man. Be men. Act like men. Uh, Be gritty. Have some grit, man. Have some endurance because we need it in these days. God bless you guys. Um, We'll see you next time on the Gritty Podcast.